Welcome to Books and Beyond with Bound. I'm Tara Khandelwal. I'm Michelle DeCosta. And in this podcast, we uncover the stories behind some of the best written books of our time and find out how these books reflect our lives and our society today. So tune in every Wednesday to enter a whole new world with a new author and a new idea. Yes, and after 3 years and 2 million listens, we are back with a power-packed season 5 with hard-hitting questions and life-changing books. So let's dive in. Hi everyone, so we're very happy today to interview LGBTQ icon Anirudha Mahale. He's been on our radar for quite some time now because we spoke to his sister Amrita Mahale in season 1 and that was one of our most popular episodes. and he's written this amazing memoir come guide how to guide and it's called get out and we're going to chat about you know this dating guide he's going to share the most intimate details of his dating life with us to writing about his exes in the book to writing guide on how to come out so you know this book is a really great book because it not only pushes the paradigm it's the first of its kind um you know a dating guide for the lgbt community in india but it's also really fun honest and true and sometimes a little moofad which i really really enjoyed so without further ado let's dive in welcome anirudha so glad to have you here i'm very very glad to be a part of this as well because i think this is like the right thing to do on a friday just before like diwali break right yes it's fantastic <laughs> it's fantastic yes. And it's also my birthday, so I'm. I'm oh just, yeah! I'm oh my God! Uh, happy birthday! <laughs> happy thank birthday! You. Happy birthday! Happy thank you, thank birthday. you. And you know, like people are asking me, so Michelle, what are your plans? I'm like, oh, I'm actually recording with Anirudha. <laughs> you know, everyone's like, really, Amrita's brother? I'm like, yeah. See what awesome things I get to do on my birthday. Anyway. No, but we we really uh, had a blast reading your book. So what we do before all of the podcasts, obviously, like we do like buddy reading. So we had like many sessions where we were just like discussing things in the book, uh, and there were so many areas where we were laughing out loud. Uh, but we actually like I wanted to know, you know, the book you said uh, the book was commissioned and it came out of this drunken message that you one day sort of cold messaged to your editor at Penguin Shreya on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, like we were really curious about that. So what was the trigger for that message and so like what was the origin story of the book? Also I tell you like honestly speaking uh, I have a very nuanced story okay where I was like I needed like you know I, I just like burst of like enthusiasm to kind of do something with my life and uh, which is why I sent that email which is why I sent that DM and like it all worked out in fate and blah blah blah. But I'll tell you the real version, okay? The real version is <laughs> one of my friends had recently gotten married, and another one was moving abroad. So I was just feeling very, very sad about the way about the fact that my life was not going anywhere. And um, I remember like seeing Shreya's uh, Twitter uh, Twitter handle, and it like her entire profile description was about being open to pitches. And if in case anybody had a pitch, they just had to DM her. I thought that was the easiest way to kind of like. Like send a pitch for a book, right? Because like I've written a book in the past, a really long time ago. It's a very embarrassing book. I do, I do not like talking about it. But like usually books don't work that way, right? Books work with like three sample chapters and a synopsis and like a manuscript and everything. But I'm also a very lazy person, which means that I want to kind of get a pitch in without like a book in hand. So I think I had like a bottle or two of wine, and I think the thing with alcohol is that gives you like newfound confidence. And I was like, okay, this is it. This is all that I have to do. So I sent her a DM, said like, listen, I have an idea that will change your life forever. Are you ready to listen to it? And honestly, I did not think that she would reply, right? Because it was a very cocky message and. Technically speaking, if you if like any woman gets a cocky message from a man, she's just going to ignore it. But uh, I don't know. I think she checked my profile and saw that I was really gay. She replied and she's like, "Okay, great. Like you know, what do you have to say?" And I saw the message the next morning when I was sober. So suddenly I was like, "Okay, I do not have anything to say." And I just sent her like a extremely long email, but the TLDR version of the email was about how the gay dating landscape had not been discovered or had not been spoken about, and I wanted to kind of find a way to get there before anybody else did. 
So long story short, I think it took over about three months. And then, yeah, I got a contract with HarperCollins, which I still can't believe. Which wine was it? <laughs> it was really cheap wine. Okay, I'm a freelance writer, so I can't afford like expensive things. Yeah, and it worked. It worked, it worked, it yeah. worked. Yeah, I know. So when in doubt, just buy cheap wine, all your dreams come true. That is the, yes. that is the moral of the story. <laughs> You went on like 69 dates and it reminded me of sex in the city, you know, uh, because it's sort of like dating in a big city, glamorous. And then you like write about the dating, uh, write about your dating life. Were you gathering material uh, as you went along writing this book or when you pitched Rhea with that really long email, did you already have enough material? Did you sort of like have a structure in mind or did you sort of like not have that and then organize these dates and try and get more material so how did it work you know the thing is i didn't go to these dates as you know that i was going to write about them okay i was just being a hoe i was like maybe i should do something about it right because like uh also 69 is just a number i chose because i thought it was like a really funny inside joke yeah <laughs> but there were a lot more but like i realized that a lot of these experiences are also experiences that are not just my own right they're also experiences that a lot of my other friends have had to deal with like going on a date with a man who ends up like living with his ex-boyfriend or going on a date with somebody who conveniently forgets their wallet or just mansplains everything and I realized that like each of them was like an archetype of like a potential situation that you might have to deal with in life which may get uncomfortable or uneasy or difficult or like annoying right I've been told that I have the memory of an African elephant, which means that I remember like tiny details from like five years ago. I think this was this also started off as a column with Homegrown back in 2015, where I reached out to uh, Mandri Menon and I was like, listen, like I really like her website and I'd like to write for you. She asked me like what I want to write about and I said I want to write about gay culture. She said it was a very ambiguous thing to write about because like, it can go anywhere. So I remember uh, ideating with her and then she was asking about my dating life and she and then I was telling her about like uh, certain anecdotes and she was in fact responsible for getting me to write about these dates anonymously. And I think I wrote like some 13 pieces with Homegrown back in 2015, which is where I came up with the idea then. Because then I realized there was a lot of potential because back then I was writing it anonymously. But like a lot of people were talking about it because they didn't know who was writing them. And it gave me a lot of like internal validation. Um, so yeah, so I realized that I can't write a dating guide without having done the air quotes field research and what is the best way to kind of research a dating guide um, instead of just like putting yourself in it. So wow. a lot of these dates happened because I was looking to research for my book, but a lot of them also happened because I found a lot of these men cute. So <laughs> like two birds with one stone <laughs> might as well. Yeah, totally. You know, I mean, that's, that's just, I think that's like living the life. And if you get to write about it, amazing, because, you know, right? I mean, yeah, like I think, you know, friendships or even relationships with writers, I think it's a given that it is writing material, right? It comes with a disclaimer. So I think people have to be prepared for it. But anyway, Anirudh, I think, you know, I'm really curious to find out that, you know, okay, mm -hmm. yes, you had written for Homegrown. Yes, you know, you, you kind of already had the idea. You already kind of had the material. But, you know, let's face it, right? It's a contract from HarperCollins. You have a deadline. You have to submit it. Let's talk about the pressure of performance here, you know, like pun intended. Okay, so, you know, your editor has really high expectations. So what was it like? Like, was it really scary? Like, like you know, how did you turn in the manuscript? And it is 400 pages long. My goodness. Yeah. And also, like, it's the first of its kind, right? In a way that it's sort of like a template. It's I don't think we have another guide for like uh, you know gay dating so you know how did you deal with that sort of pressure because you're setting a standard in a way you know the thing is i have defaulted on my deadline so many times there were times when i would just think that like swati is going to call me and say that my contract is null and void because i was supposed to submit my first draft in june 2019 okay and i uh, did not <laughs> then i was supposed to submit in september 2019 and I did not. I was supposed to submit it in like June 2020, which I did because by then we were in the middle of a pandemic. And uh, I don't know. I think like there have been times it was a very, very cathartic process. There were like, like there were ups and downs. Um, 
when I started working on it, uh, which was like in early 2019, I was very excited about it, right? Because this was like, I was like, okay, like I can literally do anything here because, and there's nobody to kind of rebuff it because I'm creating the groundwork here. So I get to write it the way I want to write it. But then I think that's the thing with writing, right? Uh, it creates a lot of pain and it creates a lot of like turmoil, which I hadn't accounted for. I hadn't accounted for writing to be a difficult, long, arduous process. I had assumed it was going to be very like breezy that I would go sit in a cafe and like, write for like three, four hours at a stretch and then, you know, do this for like three months and be done with the book. But it didn't happen. And I think uh, there were multiple times in the, over the last year when I wanted to actually quit. I just decided that, no, I don't want to do this book. I'm going to call up my editor. I'm going to tell her, like, listen, I'm very sorry for, like, wasting so much of your time. And I don't think I can finish it. And, like, it would happen every time we would go through, like, an edit. And the book has gone through, like, four rounds of edits. Like, once with my editor, then it once went with, like, another, like, a like an external editor. Then it went through a legal read with, like, a, with HarperCollins' legal team. It went through, like, a sensitivity read with an expert and I think by the end of the fourth edit I had just given up I was just like listen please just publish this whatever way it is I do not want to look at it anymore because now I'm going to start resenting it so I'm glad that I didn't resent it because uh, ever since the book's come out uh, I've heard mostly positive reviews which feels nice you know and these are not people that I know okay these are not like friends or friends of friends who have to be coerced into like telling me nice things about my book these are like actual strangers who are absolutely no clue who they are and but uh sorry but i just want to know but why did it have to go to a through a legal read i don't know because i think we live in very difficult times and they were very scared that somebody was going to take offense in the book or somebody was going to uh call it out for being obscene or anti-nationalist so they just wanted to make sure that Nobody and nothing can come with blazing torches and mobs. So did you have to like sort of like cut out things or like censor yourself in any way because of this? You know, like there was like the sex bit was like longer. There was a lot of like, it was more detailed. So I think like a lot of their their apprehension was about the fact that somebody might take offense and mm-hmm. they laid out the scenario in me, in front of me in such a way that they were like, Okay, you know, like somebody might call it out and uh, somebody might lodge an FIR against you for obscenity. And there is a very, very tiny possibility you might have to go to jail. (laughs) I will not do very well in jail. So I decided to work for the greater good and prune out certain parts of the book. They were uh, slightly more NSFW in the beginning. I made them sound, I I Disney-fied it a bit, right? Disney-fied, ooh. I guess like what you have to do, you have to do, right? I mean, like there's sort of like no option there. But it's still it's still amazing because it is sort of like very comprehensive and your sister said it is long. (laughs) It is very long, yeah. (laughs) It is long, but it 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 is sort of like that benchmark, you know, which is great. Yeah, yeah. I actually have a lot more things to say. Okay. (laughs) But then I was like, okay, then this will never end. This is going to become like a compendium, like yeah. of like, like it's becoming an encyclopedia. And I'm like, they've already decided my advance. So technically speaking, if I give them a 200 page book or a 400 page book or a 600 page book, they do not care. So maybe I should because, you know, it's my time. So yeah, I've left, I left space there for like a potential sequel if in case this one does well. Oh, yes, yes. We are looking forward to the sequel. <laughs> of course, so all the parts that you cut out, Anuradha, we want to see your book come off. Okay. I hope so. I really hope so. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know, out of all the chapters, right, there are so many interesting chapters. I would say for me, the absolute favorite one was about online dating, right, where you've actually broken down, you know, the different types of guys you've met. And for somebody who's, you know, I would say even being part of the, I would say, you know, the, the side where you're like so frustrated when you meet all kinds of people. And the one that really stood out to me was the nun, right? One reason is obviously because of the Catholic reference. But another thing is, I was wondering who was the nun, Anirudh? So can you please, you know, share with us an anecdote of actually meeting a nun? What was the date like? You know, we would love to hear. No, I mean, like a lot of these, a lot of people are also like come to uh, a dating app with like this very holier than thou approach to life, right? Where they're like, oh, you know, I'm just like here because I'm, because I wanted to see what's, 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 what's in the sea of like open, what's in this pool of like gay men. 
And I do not think that like online dating is for me, but I'm just here to kind of try things out. And like, I don't understand how other people do it, but which is why I think I just want to like dip my toes into this whole situation. I find it very, I find it, I find it strange because here you are telling a man that you met through a dating app that you do not believe in dating apps and how you, dis, how you're like dismissive of them. I find that, I find that very weird. And so like those, those categories are not based on like one-off situations. But I met like a lot of people who who say that like who just basically look down on everybody else who uses a dating app because they think it's frivolous, because they think it kind of like they they think it like kind of promotes promiscuity. They think that it's uh, it's like a desperate ploy to kind of like get yourself um, to find yourself a soulmate. So it's not like one person. There have been many people like that who have met who pretend like just their presence on Grindr itself is like a blessing for everybody else because <laughs> they're, you know, because they're already like a couple of notches above all of us, Ooh. which means that when they come here, the, the the general population or the plebs, as they would like to call us, need to kind of then look up to them with reverence and be like, oh, what are you doing here? You know, what brings you to this shallow end of the pool? So, so it's more of that. Yeah, no, definitely you meet all sorts of characters and that's what makes it fun, right? There's so many stories. Uh, But so could you tell our listeners one story of maybe, uh, you know, like one of the dates that you went on in the book and what happened? You know, surprisingly, a lot of these men are also friends right now. Okay, because the thing is like, even though like things didn't work out with them in the longer run, a lot of them are uh, very, very close friends. And I think when I was doing my book launch in Delhi, one of them surprised me and showed up for the book launch. And like the book launch had like a reading also happen at the same time. But I was going to read out another one of these blind dates. But because he was there, I read out his blind date and he was very touched. And then he got like like 10 of his friends to buy it. Because he was like, oh, listen, like he's written about me in this book and he's only had nice things to say. Thankfully, it was him, okay, because he's one of the very few men that I've written only nice things about. You know, when even when I was reading his chapter, I was very scared that I might have made like a passive aggressive statement or some said something condescending as a throwaway reference, but like none of that came up. So I, I it, it went really well. He's a very good friend now. Uh, so yeah, I have yeah. might not have found like true love, uh, but I did find make some really 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 good friends. Although I mean, like I know this is also going to sound controversial, but like I don't really believe in the concept of true love. I don't believe in the idea that there is this one person out there who's just being made for you so i think everybody should just appreciate dating as as a way to meet new people as to live new experiences to do things they've never done before and i think like once once more people kind of accept that as as a concept to live by i think it'll also make online dating or like even dating a less stressful experience Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I think it's really interesting because it made me think about what I, you know, what I think about dating. And I feel I've also been in that situation, you know, Anuradha, because people talk so much about finding that one partner, it builds so mm-hmm. much pressure that you fail to enjoy the current situation. I felt that so many times, like I just fail to, I would say, be in the present because I'm always mm-hmm. thinking, okay, there should be a long-term outcome. There should be a long-term outcome, you know, and that's always been there. But I think also after reading your book and, and you know, there's this feeling of sisterhood kind of that I, that when I read your book, I felt that I said, okay, why aren't people talking about this enough, you know? So yeah, it was great. But um, Tara, what do you think? What is your concept of like the one true Like love? the one true love? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, this is such a loaded question. I don't think there's a one true love or anything like that. I think it's just about, yeah, obviously like having interesting experiences, meeting people and finding that one person that is compatible with you in terms of like, can you like build a partnership? Like, do they want the same things in life and, and all of those things, you know, like the same values, all of that stuff. I don't know if that's an answer to the question or not. Uh, but I did really like the fact that, you know, in this book, uh, you talk about right from coming out to where can you find people to like what to do on dates with your own examples to like sex all of that and then especially love the ending where you went on date 69 and then I was fully expecting that you would end up with that person 
you know like i was fully expecting at the end of the book that you are going to sort of like end the book and say that oh i am in a relationship now you know then you were like ha ha no <laughs> that didn't happen because here is my idea of what uh you know the one or dating etc means for you how has dating changed for you since the book has come out you know uh, this is strange okay because i've gone on a couple of dates after that and all of these boys are like are you going to write about me too and i'm like oh, listen the book is already out so i don't think i can go and make edits now in fact this also happened while the book was being written i think like uh, because i've been also ranting on about this book for so long a lot of people knew what the premise of the book was so even when i went on dates like earlier like in 2021 or like late 2020 i'd already submitted my first manuscript by then so it's not like i could add like but like men would be like um they would ask me like oh you know like if in case this date is fun enough do you think you can add me to it i was like listen i'm already in like draft number 2 so as honored as i feel that you would want to be a part of something like this i do not think it's going to happen how you said that you thought that like i would end up at number 69 i think like also a large part of the book talks about like how difficult it is to love yourself and i think it's a very very challenging uh, concept to kind of love yourself so i think like the number one priority is to kind of first get to love yourself before you actually have the capacity to love someone else right because if you don't love yourself then it's going to be very very difficult to kind of spread that emotion across to somebody else so in the book there are like a lot of like funny and very true uh, labels you know so like uh, like you've called people like gym freaks or like dubious know it all so i just wanted to ask about like stereotyping i mean in dating you know that's something we all do you know like oh the guy from london or oh like we'd call someone like by their job name but what was your thought process behind including these labels no a lot of these labels also exist as a part of the queer dictionary like these are labels these are terms that are used by people on grinder it's not like i came up with like any of them myself like people who go like gym obsessed gay men are called gym freaks like you know like some like and very proudly so people use it on their profile descriptions saying that like 100% certified gym freak like they use it unironically which is which is funny right so a lot of i think also stereotypes make us right i like i don't understand the problem that people have with stereotypes but stereotypes create identity they create some sort of familiarity and uh, I don't know. I think if in case stereotypes never existed, stories would not either because like every book, every character has can can fit into like a stereotype, right? There's always the manic pixie dream girl, there's always the the rich like, you know, the rich dismissive like indifferent like male lead. There's always the friend with the best interest at heart. I mean like the iterations of this, there's always the the toxic ex, there's always the domineering father the whiny mother the i mean like the like every person in every book is somewhat of like a permutation and combination of all of these stereotypes no no i get it because you know i i was just thinking about okay what have i seen on bumble and you're right because actually there are a lot of profiles which have these labels up front and honestly that makes it easier to swipe left for me <laughs> you know because because i was like swipe left or right <laughs> no no le- left sara you know why because then i'm like oh thank you for not wasting my time because you know i would have been like okay i okay. would keep speaking you like let's say for a week or two and then i find out you're a gym fitness or you're a gym freak and oh please no so all know? the boys out there michelle is not into gym fitness <laughs> oh my god no that is so embarrassing <laughs> You know, like oh, there's God. there's one like common thing that happens in all of these profiles. Okay, like a lot of men think it's very like think it's very witty when they say, "Oh, like cannot think of anything interesting to say about myself in two fifty characters." I'm like, if you can't think of anything interesting to say about yourself in one line, then what are you even going to talk to people about on a date, right? And like they think they're being funny, right? When they say, "Oh, I need more than two fifty characters to be to say something witty or interesting about myself," but I'm like, sorry, sir, you can use like a couple of words to tell us. Anyway, so you know all of this talk about different kinds of guys, different kinds of labels, actually bring us to our quiz. Okay, so out of all the awesome quizzes that you've included in the book, Adirada, there is what's a man with game like, which I have picked for mm-hmm. our quiz today, and all three of us are going to play. And along with us, all of our listeners, please open the book. It is on page one sixty four. 
So you can create along with us and you can share your answers with us as well. All right. Okay. Let me start. The first one is the Khan you most identify with. Fawad Khan, Shah Rukh Khan, Amir Khan or Salman Khan. Okay. So I have noted down my answer. Tara, Anirudha, I hope you all are playing too. Yeah, I have the book in front of me. Strange, it's strange reading my own book. And yeah, so Anirudha, how does it feel to actually play your own quiz? <laughs> you know, I this is this is cheating because I know what like I know what the what the answers are. So I feel that I'm going to like very very like subtly just choose all the right ones. Okay. No, there, I think there's no right or wrong. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. The second one is. Your idea of the perfect way to woo someone is first one buying them a VIP ticket for a world cruise second one buying them a drink at the bar or introducing yourself with a joke and throwing in subtle compliments as you ease into a conversation and the fourth one is sending them a note full of newspaper clippings and a strand of your hair okay definitely not the last one <laughs> like who would choose that <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. The third one is: What's the best way to start a conversation? Is it with a drink, or with a compliment, or with a joke, or how does one even start a conversation? <laughs> okay. So, on average, how much do you stare at your crush? You don't. He stares at you. One. B. Just a quick glance because why should you make it obvious? C. Just enough to get him to notice you. D. Anything more than ten seconds. The last you heard, he was considering getting a restraining order against you. Okay. Question number five. Your friends would describe your flirting skills as A. Awe-inspiring. B. Amazing. C. Adorable. D. Abysmal. I love all these adjectives starting with A. If your crush were a famous Chris, he would be Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, Chris Pine, Chris Pratt. Okay, now guys, it's time to tally your answers. Anirudh, what is yours? I have two C's, three B's, and one A. Okay, like I have two C's, three B's, and one A, which means I'm a B. Let me see what B is. Okay, mostly B. There's no denying your charm when it comes to finding your way into somebody's pants. Wow, but unless you're using your flirting skills to find a fuck buddy, there's no point in having game. Because remember, a few sexual innuendos and one terrifying case of syphilis later. You'll only be left to play all by yourself. Wow! Oh, did not expect. <laughs> did not expect. Did not expect. Did not expect my book. This is your own quiz. Yeah. Wow. wow. Okay, Michelle. What is? What were you? For me, it turns out to be mostly C's. I think I have four C's out of six. So that's congrats. Oh, congratulations! You have mastered the game. Now enjoy the feeding and bask in the glory. A free drink is coming your way the next time you are at a bar. Okay, but I don't go to a bar. Yeah, very nice. Except, <laughs> except I'll come it, with you. Yeah, I'll yeah. Except for, for it's a gym freak, huh? If you're a gym freak, please don't approach. Oh my god. Okay. Tara. Okay. Mine was like I couldn't really like I I think I'm a little slower than you guys because like I'm still thinking about my answers, but okay. I'm thinking. I think like, this is like a rapid fire, Tara. It's almost okay. So like, like my thing is like I think it's mostly A's. Oh, what is A's? Yeah. Okay. So A's is we give you full credit for your ability to flirt your way out of every situation. Sometimes it can be a touch too much. You okay. might believe you have the gift of gab, but that doesn't make you a gift from God. Okay, it's time to consider calming those nerves with some tonic, because no man with real game ever eased himself into a conversation with the not so subtle. Hello, I am the best thing that will ever happen to you. So I don't think I have much game, but I also think I answer this question from the point of view of like a straight girl with a lot of attitude when it comes to people approaching her. So awesome, you know. But like honestly speaking, I think the I think I also think the book is very like straight girl friendly. Okay, because the point of the book is to like tell you how to date men. So anybody who dates yeah, men, sure. whether you like, you know, like whether you're a gay man, whether you're like straight woman, yeah. whether you're like somebody's bi, poly, demi, anybody, like because the point is to like just understand that all men are assholes and all men are trash, and how to navigate that, <laughs> and oh, how yeah, to expect sure. them to do, uh, how to expect men to do a little more than the bare minimum, right? Because for us, like a lot of our like standards, a lot of our like terms and conditions, 
want like our partner to do like things which might sound like they're a big deal but like they're just the bare minimum right like be a nice person uh, that's it you know and a lot of people are nice people so yeah yeah i've always thought that the book is very like open for like as many people who want to read it as possible no that yeah, i agree yeah. and it did sort of like resonate with us also at that level you know because yeah, like yeah. we all sort of like need a dating guide <laughs> Yeah no definitely and talking about nice people you know i am really curious about the three guys that you know you've brought up again and again in the book who are you know your friends like anish he is the one with the perfect relationship utkarsh is the expert on everything and kartik is the guy who has an existential crisis you know these these characters play a very big part of your um, story but what i was thinking was you know instead of covering this whole range of of men that you've dated right Anuradha, did you mm-hmm. consider also probably going in depth into you know I would say this particular let's say one particular uh, character story or maybe you know in future books we don't know like I would have loved to see you focus on like a particular relationship let's say with you and Anish or you and Utkarsh so what are your thoughts? I think a lot of these boys are also based on people that I know very very well and they're all friends. Um, so I wanted to kind of bring them up because they had a lot of experiences that. i couldn't then like pass off as my own so a lot of the problems you see happening in the lives also happen in real life okay so i don't know because for me the three friend characters they were really really interesting you know the anish like the perfect relationship and all of those things so it was very interesting to know you know like like your choices so how did you sort of like who are they actually in your real life and i know, like, uh... yeah I'll give you one like never heard before like piece of like random nugget of information about the book. Kartik is me. Okay, like I only have two other friends. So I, I, so I based oh, one no of those books. Oh no way! Oh my god! Who would have guessed? I'm gonna yeah, read. Right? I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna read this book yeah. again, and this is like yeah. very good information. Thank you. I'm yeah, gonna read this, this book again. Like now keep this twist. in mind. Yeah. Plot twist. I mean, I'm gonna reread it, looking at Kartik as Anuradha. Definitely. It's like Kartik calling Kartik. Okay, I got like I got very I got very I got very uh, fascinated by the idea. I got like a major inspiration from there to kind of put myself in there as 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 a pseudo background character as well. Yeah. So okay. So I now want to speak about sibling relationships because you know Michelle did say that you're like Amrita Mahale's brother. We interviewed Amrita in our first season. She was one of our first guests ever. In that episode, she spoke about you. You've also spoken about how both of you are very different writers. So, can you share sort of a fun anecdote from your childhood, a moment that still makes you laugh, and what is sort of the writing relationship between you two? Um, the thing is, firstly, my sister is like ground, like leaps ahead of me as a writer. Okay, I think of her as a very, very like serious. Like established writer, I'm just like a, I'm just a breezy writer. So, so that's like something I've always thought of. I think also uh, growing up, um, we grew up in Gujarat, and we were both very socially awkward children, which means that we don't have those many friends. So I remember during summer vacations, uh, my dad used to we used to live in Ahmedabad, okay, and my dad used to do this thing where during the summer break. He would when on his way to work, he would like drop us off at the crossword. Okay, there was a giant crossword in Ahmedabad. He would drop us off at there at around like ten o'clock in the morning, and he would pick us up back on his way back from office at around six. And my sister and I would spend the entire day just reading and just like reading Archie comics or like reading like Famous Five or like, like so many books. We would just sit there in the reading corner and read. Um, and we used to like we used to look forward to that. We used to do that like twice a week. and like i idea of like having a fun time was going to crossword and reading books for free so i feel like a lot of that is also now established why we wanted to be writers growing up because i think the more you read the i would like to believe that the more you read the more possibilities you open up yourself to and the better writer you become so yeah and i think like always been an off my sister okay it's very unhealthy but i've always looked up to her a lot and i think like at one time when she was younger she said that she wanted to be a writer and i think i decided that i wanted to be a writer just because she said that she wanted to be one but like here we are we both ended up doing something about it i'm very very proud of what 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 happened and what came off 
and it's really heartwarming to see you know you because usually you see like sometimes a sibling rivalry uh, you know there's jealousy or any of that but it's really nice to see how supportive uh, it is you know you know even i sort of like feel that with my with my brother uh because he, he's always like sort of helping me out with work and like i'm sending him things and he's giving me uh resources so so anyways apart from like the <laughs> sibling part of it i wanted to know um you know you've said this in other interviews as well that you worry that your sexuality could become your entire brand in the future um and there's so many sides to your identity So I want to know, you know, how are you planning to navigate that? What are you planning to do? How are you planning to showcase the other sides of your identity, or merge them with this part of it? You know, I'd I'd like to think that I'm a hypocrite because, like, even though I say all of these things, I only write about gay things. Okay, so I sometimes feel like I like I contradict a lot of things I say. So I should probably not have like a very like eloquent answer here. But I don't know. The thing is, I'm like I've just started creating an outline for my next book, and unfortunately, it is also about gay people. and um like i'll tell you like something a very weird thing happened like a few years ago i think this was i was working on this column with first post which was about queer culture and i remember like about like a year or two after i started writing it my mom sat me down and she's like this is very good you know like it's great that you have like about that you get to write about these things but like why do you only write about gay things you know there are so many other things to write about I got very emotional and I told her that like listen I'm writing about this because nobody else is and at some point I that needs to be like an archive of like people's lived experiences and if in case nobody else is writing about it somebody needs to do it so which is why I'm like doing it right because like the world needs to know so now I don't have any problem okay now I don't have any problems in case this becomes my identity I would not want to be known as the gay writer but i would want to be known as the writer who writes about gay yeah absolutely you know and i think it makes sense and i think also one way to to um, you know diversify into that is also to write fiction because right now you're a non fiction writer and we also read that you're working on three different manuscripts out of three different I... <laughs> yes you said that you did interview <laughs> only one is only one is like seeing the light of the day because the Ooh, other two one? Okay, so there's yeah. this one. There's so okay. Tell you like plot lines. Okay, one is very very loosely based on Hogwarts. Okay, which which I started writing when I was like eighteen years old. I had like I think like this was right after I read like Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. I'm like, ooh, we need to create like an Indian school of magic. But now I know that I'll get greatly sued by like uh, J.K. Rowling's uh, lawyers, and we know uh, the power that she holds. Do not want to be doxed by her, but. Uh, The other two are uh, one is this very like it's a very like high school who done it, but I don't know I'm very old to write a high school who done it because it'll sound it'll sound very dated. But the third one is uh, about like five different gay men and their lives across the country. Yeah, that's and what I'm really. Yeah. So that's the one that I'm working on. Oh. That's the one that I'm working on. Its working title is called Happy Damaged Men. Wow, that's our next yeah. quick. Good title, uh, good title. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So now I'm rewriting like chunks of it because earlier I had some twenty thousand words like already okay in two thousand fourteen, and then I stopped writing it because it's going nowhere. But now I'm like creating an outline. I'm creating like a chapter by chapter breakdown. I'm like reach. I'm like con- constantly consulting like a couple of like people who is writing capabilities I greatly admire. Because with writing nonfiction, you can like write anything. Right? Nobody can challenge it. Oh, but with like fiction, oh. with fiction, you have to have like an idea of what is going to happen next. And I'm very, very bad at creating plots. Okay, I'm very bad at. Me too. Me too. I'm very bad at that too. Yeah. Right. Like I don't know where it goes. I like then conversations end up sounding very fractured. I'm like nobody really talks like that in in real life. but when you try to make the conversation sound like it would happen in real life then you're like this is just bad writing so like that's a that's a constant dilemma that i have faced when i'm like writing like you know when i'm writing conversation in fiction which is why i like usually just avoid writing fiction because i can't write the perfect conversation you know so that it doesn't sound like it's fake but at the same time it doesn't sound like it's studious right so it should be fun to read but also now not sound like something that people won't say yeah no for sure 
So okay, so now this brings us to our reading section, mm-hmm. uh, where we're gonna have reading recommendations. So my first question is, uh, you know, uh, I love reading dating guides because dating is one of my favorite <laughs> topics. So you know, there's like so many dating guides, like the L Word by Asta Atre or Dear Men by Prachi Gangwani. So do you have any others that you would recommend? Okay, there's like a, it's a, like a many part question. Do you have any others you would recommend? You know, there's a great. Actually, a lot of people don't know this, but like the original Sex in the City book is a dating guide, right? Really? Uh, yeah, Candice Bushnell. Oh. I was blo- mind blown, right? Because you would assume that it's fiction, but it's not. So no I, way. the entire idea where I got this idea of having these three boys being like background characters in my book. So what happens in Candice Bushnell's Sex in the City is that she talks. It's a series of essays about like dating in New York. But she uses case studies, and she has four women that are case studies. Guess what their names are? Carrie. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they are the case Psychologist... studies that she talks about. Oh my god! They are her Anish and Karthik and Urvakshu. You know, like when I read your book, I, I like, I was like getting such Sex and the City vibe because Sex and the City is literally like one of my favorite shows. I watched it like six or seven times and I have never picked up the book and I never knew the it's like this. The book is beautiful. The book is beautiful. It's going to change your life. Okay. Okay. Like, I thought it's going next. to be like chick lit, right? I thought it's going yeah. to be like, like four like women leading their most fabulous lives but it's not. It's, it's a very, very well. If you thought the original show was well written, the book is even better. This it's even a it's a fantastic guide. It's a fantastic guide. I also like uh, the Betches have a book called. Wait, wait, uh, let me add, guys, that I've neither watched the show or I've read it, so I have a lot of catching no, up. No, Michelle, no, you have to. <laughs> I have to, and then I'm going to chat with you guys about it. Okay. Yes. No, I think if in case there's a dating guide I'd like to recommend, that is it. Because it's written so well, it's so nuanced, it talks about like so many, like it talks about experiences and it's such depth. I think like there's a lot of reflection that happens in the book, which doesn't usually happen with like a lot of guides, right? Because guides sound like instructions. Here, this is not just instructions, it's also like, like grounding techniques or like reflective questions that you ask yourself, which which happens in the show. I mean, like you know that she's always asking these questions, right? Like as she sat by her window. But but yeah, Michelle, like this, like you'd get this when like when you yeah yeah when you so watch I'm the just, show. I'm looking forward to be part of these inside jokes, actually. Okay. Yeah. No, but I also like want to know, like apart from that, you know, like maybe it's a little bit of a controversial question, but like, do you think dating guides? really work for people who are reading them? I don't know. I can't answer this question because I don't know what my sales numbers are. But uh, I think like I, I would like to believe that they help people. I don't want people to buy my book because it's a dating guide. I want people to buy my book because it's fun to read. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, true. Okay. All right. So um, do you have any favorite queer books, Anirudh, or even books written by queer writers? Any of your icons, anyone you've looked up to? You know, I will only talk about how Andrew Sean Greer's Less is by far the best queer book that has ever been written. So I think like if in case you've not read it, I'm guessing you guys have read it. But Less, I I want to write like I want, like at some point, even if I write a book that is 20% of of the beauty that is that book, I think I will think of it as a goal that has been accomplished. I'm very excited because the apparently the sequel came out last month and nobody was talking about it. But I've ordered it on Amazon and it's supposed to be due tomorrow. So the sequel for Less is called Less is Lost. And I'm very, very excited about reading it over the long extended Diwali vacation. I'm very excited about it. So it's a I it's, like I like the title. Yeah. Yeah. Nice yeah, title. It's it's yeah. a it's a gorgeous book. I think I've read it twice because just like one read doesn't do justice to it. You need to read it because you need to kind of you need to kind of devour it and like you need to kind of absorb it. I haven't ever felt that way after I've finished reading a book in in the last few years. I think that book like left an imprint on me. So if in case anybody wants to understand the queer narrative, if anybody wants to understand like what it is to live life as a as a gay man or as a queer person, I think that is the book that I would recommend. Less by Andrew Sean Greer. For sure. And, and my book. What... And my book. Yeah, <laughs> and your book, of course. <laughs> yeah, and my book. Yeah. So what books are you sort of like, generally, you know, like, what are your favorite books? I really like crime thrillers. 
and I really like murder mysteries. Okay, like it's just like I'm like I'm I'm one of those people. I like I will I cannot lie. Okay, I like these like crime thrillers, and I like this Leanne Moriarty is like all of her books. I think I read in like two weeks. Okay, Are because I watched like <laughs> yeah, I watched like big. I watched pretty uh, like Nine Perfect Strangers, and I was like, oh shit, like this is also a book I should read it. So then I read that. I watched Big Little Lies. Then I read like some six other books that she's written, and I was obsessed. Okay, I like like suspense and I like thrillers and I like these like you know the I like these books. Really the shows are also good. Life. No, yeah. they're beautiful storytelling. But yeah, I think like I like a uh, good murder mystery. Like I, I like I I like the idea of like an airport read being like an actual read. Okay, because you need something that keeps you occupied throughout. And I think that a book that just pulls you in is a great book. Like even if it's not like the best like example of prose. I think a book that makes you feel like you do not want to like let go of it is a great book. Totally yeah, on the yeah. same page, yeah. yeah like, that's what like yeah. Michelle and I always discuss. You know that like it doesn't matter if it's like literary or not. If it's entertaining, that's you know, and you like it, and the readers yes. for it, that's what matters. I think plot, yeah. I think plot keeps us going. Like, what's going to happen next? What will happen next? You know, like if you're invested, I think that's like one of the best stories to come across. So yeah, so should we move to the last section, which is our rapid fire round? Oh my god, do I get a like, hamper at the end of this? Do I get a hamper? Get coffee. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun though. We're not there yet. We're not current Johar yet. Okay, so um, if you could manifest your dream partner, what three attributes would stand out? I think it's to be tall. And good looking, and uh, this is listen. I'm just a terrible shallow person and rich. Okay, like I would say that. Like I need your priorities <laughs> correct. Yeah, I'm like, sorry. <laughs> Do not care about personality or sense of humor or like any of these things or nice person because nobody cares about those. Right? So might as well, might as well be as honest as possible. All right. Okay. Three words to describe your current crush. Current crush. Um, I don't have any. Wow. This is okay. Your last one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Tall, good-looking, and rich. Maybe <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, name one thing in your life you can't live without. My phone. Yeah, I think that's a thing that plagues us all. I should have probably said my parents, right? But like, no, my phone. Yeah. No, no, one thing. So I think it's okay. It's not one person. Okay. So. Okay. 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 One thing you would love to change about Amrita, your sister, or is there anything? I think she could be, uh, she could be a little more like less, a little less socially awkward. Okay, like, like I'm the fun one in the family, and she's the reserved one in the family. I, I wish she like she, she had more confidence in being like a funner person, uh, because like you know her book is amazing, and she she just gets really awkward on marketing it, which I don't understand why. So yeah, mm-hmm. I wish she was more assertive about that. Fair enough. Okay, so who is your favorite? Indian queer icon, dead or alive? I do not have any icons. The thing is, you know, growing up there were no queer icons, like which is why, like I think, like a lot of yeah, a lot of groundwork had to be done, right? I can't think of anybody, but if you like, if you broaden the kind of it to like an international level, I think like Neil Patrick Harris is a great queer icon, right? Because like, like you know, a lot of like other queer people have also made it their identity, but he does like both. So well, like he's also in one of the most like long-standing relationships that I've known. Like he's been dating his partner for his, so dating and now been married to his partner for a, a little over two decades, which I think is fantastic. And I think if in case I ever want to kind of be somebody or like reach that kind of like magnanimity, it will be him. Neil Patrick. I Harris. loved I loved his uh, the recent show of his. On it was a good on, show, on right? Couple. I really liked it. I loved I it. I really yeah. liked it. It was super fun. Again, reminded me of Sex in the City, kind of like. Yeah, because it's similar. by the same. Yeah. Kind of, it's by the same yeah. uh, creator. It's by the same yeah. creator. Also, who made okay. Emily in Paris? So yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, yeah, so, I've seen I've seen Emily in Paris. Okay, so, so good. All right. Your favorite date outfit. I think like I usually wear like a black shirt and jeans because it goes anywhere. You can wear like this outfit to like a house scene. You can wear it to a restaurant. You can wear it to a bar. You can wear it to a movie. Also, if you ever spill something on it, it won't show. So if you like spill like your drink on like on a black shirt, it's always going to look like you're like at the height of like 
at points, right? Like there's nothing that a black shirt can like not ruin. So yeah, that keep it casual. Stick like, to like I a black have, shirt. Yeah. Yeah, I always have like particular date outfits, and more than that, I have a particular date place, which is two minutes walking from my house, <laughs> so I can go back anytime I want. Okay, so the last question is, um, where do you write? I uh, usually write in bed. I yeah, like comfy. I don't know. Yeah, I usually write in bed, right? Like I have like pillows under me. I have like pillows on both sides, so I make like a pillow, like a pillow fort, and I write. Like I'll have a blanket over, and I write. I think like you need to be as comfortable as you can be because writing itself is so grueling. So you might as well make your physical surroundings as comfortable as possible, right? I cannot work with distraction. I cannot write with distraction. So I don't understand when people say that they went to a cafe or they went to the hills and wrote. I'm like, how? There's always going to be noise around you. How do you write? I need like like I need like pitch silence and I need to be as comfortable as possible. Yeah, so I'll be in my pajamas never, can, and that's yeah. the only way. I can never sort of like work or do anything in a cafe. Me too. Like it needs to be like pin drop silence for me. What about you, Michelle? Me? Okay, so I, I would say I can work in any environment. It doesn't matter how noisy it is as long as the I'm re, uh, basically the idea works for me. If I'm motivated by the idea, if I know what's going to happen next, it doesn't matter where. I just love the story. Yeah. You know exactly what I was going to say right now. I was like, it's already yes. two o'clock. I thought it was like one. It was awesome. Yeah. Thing, you know? I don't know. That's I just don't know o'clock. how one hour flew but no. by. You know, it was- yeah, thank you so much. And this book is, um, you know, it's it's super fun. It's it's light, uh, but it's also really important. It's the first of its kind. You know, um, I think it is sort of breaking, you know, territory that hasn't been broken before. Uh, so congratulations on that, and we're very much looking forward to reading your fiction next. Thank you so much. That was very very kind. Okay, I think I needed to hear those words. So. Thanks for being so kind. Okay, like it really means the world to me. So here we are. We're at the end of yet another journey into the many worlds of books and beyond with Bound. I'm Tara Khandelwal. I'm Michelle DeCosta. And this podcast is created by Bound, a company that helps you grow through stories. Find us at Bound India on all social media platforms. So tune in every Wednesday if you live, eat and breathe books. And join us as we discover more revolutionary books and peek into the lives and minds of some truly brilliant authors from India and South Asia. And don't forget to keep your love for stories alive for books and beyond.